Writing and delivering a presentation can sometimes be very complicated, frustrating, scary, all of the above. Maybe the writing part throws you. How do you get your ideas down on paper? And maybe it's the delivery. How do you bring it to life? Well, today, I'm going to talk to you about a very special presentation that I had to write and deliver last week. I think you're going to really like this episode, and I don't want you to miss a minute. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin, and I'm so glad to have you with me today, as always. Thank you so much for your shares and your downloads and for being on this voice journey with me. I love being here and and sharing all these voice thoughts with you. And I always love hearing back from so many listeners. It's so great. And so many of you I've had the opportunity to work with. Today, I've got a very special episode. Today, I'm going to talk about the process that I went through to write a very important, write and deliver a very important speech about a week ago. I'm often asked about this very type of speech. I'm often asked about my process. How do I write it? How do I deliver it? And I I just really couldn't miss this opportunity to share with you this episode today. Very quickly, I want to let you know that I am running another round of my group voice program. I've changed it up a little bit. Really excited about the changes. It gives you more solo time with me. And, you know, it's, we're getting towards the end of the year. So if you've not met your, goal, your voice goals this year, or if you were really hoping to make a bigger impact with your voice as you head into 2020 and you've just not had the opportunity, you've not had the time, you've not had whatever, I don't want you to miss it. So make sure you go over to CaptivateTheRoom.com under the Work With Me tab and find out about the new group program. Very small group program, coaching to the individual within the group, and solo sessions, group work, payment plan if you need it, really a great opportunity to get rid of the blocks and barriers that you may not even know are there, and really learn how to captivate the room. The number one question I get asked is, what day is it? Well, I don't set the day until I know who's in the group which I know everybody will pick a day and a time and that's it. Well, I don't do it that way. I've done this for so long now, the group, and it always works out. The very, you know, As soon as you sign up, I send an email that says, give me your time zone and your daytime availability. And I'm always able to find a spot. It's exciting, but really doing some great work in the group. People are really getting some amazing results very quickly. So I hope you'll join me. Now, Today's episode, I don't want it to be a downer, okay? I don't want it to be a downer at all. So I don't want you to click off as soon as you hear what I'm going to talk about because it's not going to be a downer. 
My mother passed away about 10 days ago now, week ago, Friday. And of course, I'm recording this on Sunday. And my father had passed away five years ago. And of course, I spoke at his funeral, but I didn't even have I didn't even have the show then. That was before I ever started the show. I I had to speak at my mother. I wanted to speak at my mother's funeral. I didn't have to. I wanted to. And, you know, I have just recently, like two weeks ago, one of my former clients messaged me and said, I have to speak at a funeral. Can you give me any advice on that? And I, I've actually had that question before and all the time I get asked about my process and how do I write material? And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to just turn this into an episode because I know that a lot of you may have to speak at a funeral or you've had to speak at a funeral or you have to write a presentation where it feels really high stakes. And it felt really high stakes to me because I wanted to honor my mother and I wanted to be true to who I was and that relationship. And, and then, you know, everybody, everybody in my family gets a little nervous when I get a microphone in my hand because they never know what I'm going to say. I was the, I was the youngest of four. So I'm always the last to speak. I'm always the, I'm always the last. And my brother never speaks. He's the oldest. And I've got a whole other episode about my brother and what went down when I was in Texas for a week. You're going to love that episode. So my older sister spoke, and then my middle sister spoke, and then it was my turn. And, you know, my middle sister, who I've not talked about much, I'm actually going to talk about her in another episode that I'm going to record, because there were so many incredible observations with regards to voice while I was on this trip. Very valuable trainings I can give you. But my sister is an amazing performer and her presentations are always hilarious. They're they're stage shows, right? It was like that at my dad's funeral too. Like at this this funeral, she had uh, visual aids. She talked about funny things about my mother and had visual aids. At my father's funeral, she started her presentation or speech. She had a rolled up really, 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 really long pieces of paper taped together like a giant scroll and she got up behind the microphone and she flipped it and of course it just unrolled and unrolled and unrolled and unrolled and unrolled and unrolled and and everybody laughed you know she's really funny and then my older sister Marsha she's she's very serious she's very business like she's very professional and she talked a lot about you know they, they all they were all good okay they were all very very different my sister talked a lot about my her experiences with my mom. And my mom was an amazing decorator and an amazing seamstress. And Marcia talked a lot about that. And then, of course, Ruthann did too. And Ruthann was my mother's, that's my middle sister. She was my mother's caretaker. So she talked, you know, she talked a lot about how much she was going to miss her and really, really great speech. And then it was my turn. And I want to talk about my process first before I talk about my delivery. Because I knew, I knew this one would be harder than my dad's. Of course, my dad was my everything. And you might be thinking, well, then wouldn't that one have been harder? No, this one was. 
So I knew it was going to be hard or, or harder, and I knew I wanted to get it right. And and when I say that, I don't mean like I got to get this right or I'm going to have failed. When I say I wanted to get it right, I didn't want to miss anything. I didn't want to forget anything. I didn't prepare my father's as much as I did this one. And there were things after the fact that I had forgotten that I wished I had said. So really, from the day, really the day after I found out, I would get these thoughts in my head and I started jotting down notes. I opened a file on my computer and thoughts that would come into my head, I'd be driving to the store or I'd be you know, doing this or doing that as I prepared to go to Texas and thoughts would come into my head and I would jot them down and jot them down and jot them down and jot them down. And then even before I left, I wrote the presentation out. I guess I found out on Friday, I left on Monday and I wrote my first draft Sunday night. I adjusted that draft the night before the funeral. And I recommend that you consider this process. It may sound like it was lengthy in time, but it really wasn't. It actually, it actually saved me time because I didn't just sit down and go, wow, I don't know what to say, which is what I saw one of my sisters do, both of my sisters. Well, let me tell you their process really quick. My older sister, that's what she did. She, it was like, okay, time to write the speech. And she really struggled with it. And I think that that was that pressure of, okay, go. My middle sister, this was really interesting and I thought very, very powerful. She sat down to write mother's eulogy on the day of the funeral and she couldn't come up with anything. And, and because they lived together, my mother lived in a side apartment. She went into my mother's apartment and sat down at her kitchen table and wrote it like a letter to my mother. And I thought that was a really wonderful uh, approach. Okay. My older sister ultimately came back in the next day and had thoughts and ideas. My process was kind of the backwards of that. I just started jotting down ideas and then I wrote out my framework and then I adjusted it once I got there. And here's the thing. And this is where I had moments where I thought about you. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I thought like, the, I, I was thinking, I was having moments like I hear my people have. And, and that moment was, can I really say these things? What are people going to think? But they were very, very, very short-lived. I wrote this speech and delivered this speech 100% leaning into what I teach. Without what I teach, I'd have been a train wreck. But the, I had these split second moments because what I knew was that I had to speak from the heart and I had to be real and I had to say what was on my heart. And, and so there were moments that were like, ooh, I wonder if people are going to think, dang, she's a, she's a, she, she shouldn't have said that. But they were very, very short lived and I committed to what I wanted to say. I was 100% committed. I released the outcome. If people didn't like it, it wasn't, I didn't care because it was about me and my honoring to my mom. So you could take that perspective in any presentation. 
Is it about what people are going to think or is it about you honoring something? Is it about you, your commitment to something? Is it about your teaching something? Where is your allegiance? Is it to where, what people think or is it to delivering a message that will change the world? That is a 100% reveal, best reveal and reflection of you and how you think. And I want you to think about that because where people get tripped up is they start writing, I wonder what people are going to think. There were several things, multiple things in my presentation that I had a tinge of, hmm, I wonder what they're going to think when I say this. Now, here's the thing. Don't take this to the point. I mean, nothing was abusive. I'm not giving you a permission slip to just stand up there and and vomit your truth in a hateful way on everybody. That's not what I'm saying here. That's not the permission slip. But what do you want to say? What is the message? The message is found in your heart. And this, this is applicable to a eulogy, of course, but it's applicable to everything. When you do the presentation for the board, what is in your heart? When you do the sales pitch, what is in your heart? You've got to connect to that message and you've got to speak from the heart. Now, my, you know, there were things that, were, that, that I could have said that were negative, 100%. You've heard my story, but that wasn't, but I didn't, but I, why would I need to do that, right? Those things are long forgiven and forgotten. So what was it that I wanted to say from the heart? I wasn't trying to be anything I wasn't. I, I wasn't trying to be something I was not. I connected 100% to my message. What did I want to say to my audience? My audience was my mother. What would I want her to know? And that's the question that you always want to ask when you're writing a presentation. What does my audience need to hear? So in this scenario, there were two audiences. What did I want my mom to know? What did I want this audience to hear from my heart about my subject, which was my mom? So hopefully all of this is clear. What did I want to say to my mom? What was in my heart? What did I want these people to hear that I felt and want, you know, wanted them to know about how I felt about my mom. And it's the same thing, like literally plug in the office and the, and the boss and your material, same strategy. And, you know, here's the thing. I did me 100%. And, and that was why there were a couple of moments where I had that tinge of, I don't know if they can handle me, <laughs> right? But it, but it never stopped me. It, I never rewrote or altered, or tempered. I had this sheet of all of these notes that I had written for three days, lots of thoughts that I had popped into my head about things I wanted to say, things I wanted to reflect on. I opened and closed with a connection. And this is really cool and really key in all of your presentations. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before. I started, let me see how I, let me see if I can remember how I started. Oh, I know how I started it. Okay. I had seen my sister, my middle sister post a comment about my mother. 
And I loved it. And I opened my presentation with that. Something to the effect of, I saw a post my sister Ruthann had written that went something like this. And, I, and, and I'll tell you what it was. It was I can't, something to the effect of, I can't imagine what happened when my mother stood before Jesus and surely he must have said, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I really loved that. And that really spoke to who my mom was. So I opened my speech with that. You always want to open with a startling statement of fact and a story. And that was a story. Now, structurally, the way I teach people to go, the next thing to do is credibility statement. Tell us what you're going to tell us two or three body parts with transition and then transition into your conclusion. Now, in the middle of all of that, obviously, after my introduction, after that first story, I didn't go to credibility. I mean, everybody knew who I was. I did say who I was. But the next thing I went to in this particular speech was I thanked my siblings for all that they had done because I'm the only one that doesn't live in Texas. I'm the only one that doesn't No, my sister doesn't live in in Houston. But anyway, I did that. And then I said who I was and I started talking. And I talked about, and it was 100% from the heart. And I rolled in stories. I rolled in stories, incredible memories of my mom and how I grew up and all the wonderful things that she did. I guess I did probably, I don't know, maybe three or four or five stories. And then I talked about grace and forgiveness because I had received so much. So I really spoke from the heart of who I was and who that relationship uh, and what our relationship was. You know, it wasn't 100% easy peasy moonlight and roses. There were challenges. And I, and I talked about that in ways that were very, very positive about, and, and literally from grace and forgiveness from the perspective of grace and forgiveness, which is what my mother was all about. You know, I talked about, so I, so I had the stories that were peppered in with the grace and forgiveness was intermixed, right? It wasn't like, okay, here's all the good stories. Here's all the bad stories. I would say something like, and here's one of my favorite memories, X, Y, Z. And that's why, you know, I'm so grateful that she was so forgiving of X, Y, Z. So I intertwined the stories, if that makes sense. But I picked stories that meant something. I picked regrets and sadness that meant something when I talked about how much I was going to miss her. And it was literally straight from the heart. And I thought of it as an opportunity to to offer the audience the grace and forgiveness that my mother offered me. And that was where I linked, what do I want to say to my mother, who's part of my audience? And what do I want to say to these people who loved my mother? You know, it was a chance. And the whole thing I thought of, this is an opportunity. I've been given an opportunity to honor my mother and honor my work 
and put everything I believe in into practice to possibly change these people's lives, to offer them something that my mother offered me. So do you see how everything was really intertwined? The presentation, I typed it out and it was three pages long. I never type out a full presentation. I don't remember the last time I did that. I don't even think I did that at my dad's. I may have, I just don't remember. And and I used heavier notes than I normally do. Normally, I would have bullet points. And the reason that I used heavier notes than I usually would was because I knew it was going to take everything I had to not fall apart. And I asked my older sister before, before we started, I said, okay, listen, I don't know if I can get through this. If I fall apart, will you come up and read it? I've got it typed out. Will you come up and read it? And she looked at me and she said, no. And I said, why not? And she said, because I'm scared of what you're going to say. See, they all get nervous when I have a microphone. But I had, I had heavy notes. And when I say heavy notes, I, I have bullet points which I normally just use keywords. Even if you write the whole thing out, which both my other sisters had theirs completely written out, the key thing here is focus on bringing it to life. You can bring a fully written page to life. You just can't read it. You've got to you've got to create well, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but you've got to wrap the words up in the package of sound of what they feel like. And I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. And I brought it to life. You know, it had, it had moments of humor. It, had, it was filled with love. It had a beautiful message about grace and forgiveness. And it had moments where I had to stop. I didn't fall apart. I was really worried that I would because I had gone in the other room that morning and started practicing it and I just completely fell apart. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to get through this. And I think that's a lot of people's concern when they have to give a loved one's eulogy or, you know, friend, family, anything is that they're going to fall apart and, or that they, you know, they want to make sure they're going to honor them in their writing. And that was the process that I took in honoring my mother. And you know what? I didn't walk away thinking, ah, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Not one thing. All of it was there. I said everything I was there that, that I wanted to say, it was all there. I didn't temper it. Even the things that I thought could be dicey. No, because they weren't right. That was my perception saying, oh, people aren't going to like that. I'm going to tell you the, I will tell you the response in a minute when I get to the end of this. I honored what was in my heart. I honored my audience and I brought the words to life. My, my middle sister did hers. And of course, you know, it was spectacular, you know, with visual aids and tremendous humor and everything else. And of course I have to follow that. I always have to follow that. But it never entered my mind. I just said, you know what? We're, we, we all bring 100% our reality to the table here. I am nothing like either one of my sisters. We're all extremely different, 
why would I want to be them? I got to be me. I got to be Tracy. And everybody in this room is expecting and braced for Tracy. You know what? The truth of the matter is I actually started with a joke. And then I told the story about the phrase. The first thing I said was, there's nothing that makes my family more nervous than me and a microphone. And of course, everybody cracked up because they know, right? They know. But here we were. And I was nervous about it. My sisters had done an amazing job. I had, of course, cried through their presentations because they were beautiful. And and the key thing that saved me was I know how to breathe. You can't remember to breathe in the moment when you've never worked on it. And I took in a breath, I composed myself, and I knew how to regulate my breathing throughout this entire thing, which is a constant intake, out, output, intake, output. And what that does more than anything is regulate your speed. And that's one of the things that I hear from people all the time is, I I said it really, really fast. The reason that you're saying it fast is because you have no air. You take in a breath and you're delivering all the content and you're trying to get to the other side of it so you won't fall apart and it goes too fast. I literally regulated my breathing throughout the whole thing. And when I would get to moments where I would talk about sadness or you know, regret or things like that, and I knew those were the dicier places, I literally leaned in to breath regulation, taking it in, letting it out. So that is something, you know, that's not something you can whip out in the moment, but I say this to encourage you to work on it because honestly, breathing is the hardest thing I teach. I don't teach diaphragm breathing. I teach something different and getting connected to that air and regulating that air saved me from falling apart. There were a couple of moments that were close and I leaned into technique. I leaned into my technique in this whole presentation from start to finish, from the writing to the delivery. I took my time and the breathing helped me and I took my moments, meaning every choice I had made in writing or delivery, I committed to it. There was never a moment of what are they going to think? I did not say that first line thinking about, I hope they laugh. No, it wasn't about that. I was committed to that as my choice. I was committed to how I wanted to deliver it and it worked. And that's something I see people miss every day. In presentations like this and in presentations in life, they don't take their moments because they're afraid of what people could be thinking in that moment and they get to the other side of it and they miss moments. That's a note I give people all the time. You got to commit to whatever choices you're making and you got to take your moments. They don't know the moments. If you do them too fast, they're going to miss them. And then I got so connected to my material, so laser focused on my message and what I needed to say, I didn't even see anybody in the room. I was looking right at them, but I didn't see them. 
I was 100% connected at that point to the message and delivering this presentation in a way that would change lives forever. And then I leaned in to how I was going to bring those words to life, which was just as important. How did the highs sound? How did the lows sound? How did the regret sound? How did the joy sound? How did the sadness sound? All of it. I leaned into vocal variety. And even when I would got close to being choked up, leaning into those vocal variety elements is what saved me. Literally, connection to the message, connection to the content, and and leaning in to bringing those words to life and honoring my mother with them is what saved me. Taking everyone on a journey, bringing every single word to life, giving every single word meaning. And I could, I, you know, I, I say I didn't see them. I did see them, but I was not feeding off of them. I hear a lot of people say, well, I make my decisions. I feed off of the audience. And that's the worst thing you can do because you don't know what they're thinking and they could be feeding you the wrong thing. So you want to connect to the message. Be so grounded, mind, body, voice connected, connected to the message in your heart, knowledge of what you're going to say, releasing the outcome and being in the moment. And when you do that, you see them, but you are not affected by them. But I saw what I could see in their faces were that I could see the imagery in their minds. I knew that I was taking them on a journey. It wouldn't have affected what I did one way or the other, because that's the mistake. That's the fatal mistake. You're not 100% committed. And then you don't really get the response that you want and you start tempering in the moment. Now, you can temper and adjust in the moment based on what you're doing, not what they're doing. So I can adjust along the way if I'm like, okay, I am not having enough energy or I don't know that I'm ramping this up enough or I don't know if I'm doing this, but it is an internal decision that is causing me to shift, not what they're doing. Because the truth of the matter is, if I didn't ask them, I don't know what they're doing or thinking. But in this moment, I could see the movie playing in their heads. I could see it. I knew that I was bringing these words to life and that I was connected to them and I was creating a connection to me and these words within them. I knew it was a journey. It was not about what they thought on me at at any, on any level. And there were a few things in there that people might've been surprised I said, and they weren't bad. I mean, they weren't bad at all. They were calling me out on things, but people might've been like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's doing that. Not in a bad way, right? All right. I had structure. I had stories. I had a timeline. I really think in my, you know, there's chronological timeline and then there's what order makes sense to you. And and I followed the what order makes sense to you. Like a cake, when you bake a cake, you follow an order. You have to. But in life, you don't 
you, you know, or, or concepts, you don't always have a specific order. But I, I followed an order that made sense to me, negative, positive, negative, positive, even though none of it was negative, okay? But it was a balance. Like I said, I didn't do all the happy things and then all the sad things. It was intermixed. That created a better journey, in my opinion, for them and for, for me. And that's literally what, what it was. It was, a, it, was a, it was a timeline of journeys, experiences, all brought up, brought to life. And then in the end, I wrapped it back up and connected it with what my sister said that, you know, how I started, that what, what, what my mother surely must have heard was, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then I put my spin on it of how I think it went. And then it was, then I was done. Then I was done. And then, of course, you know, the, the ministers did their bit. And, you know, it was just an amazing service. It was just absolutely beautiful. It was absolutely extraordinary. And I just, you know, I couldn't help but wonder, okay, so anybody gets my sister or my sister's going to come up and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that or be mad at me or, or whatever. And this, this was the response that I got. And I'm, and I'm telling you this, not out of any kind of ego, but out of, I am just like you in many, many ways. I had those moments of what are they going to think? I leaned into the technique that I teach my people and did not, I mean, I just didn't stay there. And then I released the outcome. Like I had a moment of thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder if my sisters are going to say something. But then that was it. I mean, I wasn't, it was over. And people crawled all over me. That was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. That was and, and I think to, to one woman that I've known since I was like 12, I said, okay, well, I hope it wasn't too much. She said, it was 100% real and it was 100% you and that's who you are. And, you know, people just loved it. So I say these things to encourage you to let go of the stories that your perception is telling you that people are not going to like it or people are going to be upset. Now, of course, I say that and I say, you know, again, don't go cussing everybody or anything like that. And that's not what I did. But don't make your decisions of what you're going to say and how you're going to say it based on how you think we're going to respond. And don't shift it along the way because of how you think we're responding. What is your message? What do you want to say? What do you need to say? For you, and what does your audience need to hear? How can you change their life for the better? Those are the things that I look at when I write every presentation. Same approach for me. This one, just like other ones. You know, this one was much more story based, where in you know in a really structured presentation, I would I would follow the formal introduction, credibility, transition, body part one, transition part two, transition part three, transition into conclusion. And this was very similar, but it was much more story-based. And then 
And then I just got focused. I just got real focused. And I don't give any power to the audience when I'm, when I'm up there. I don't let them determine on any level what my presentation is going to be. I set a goal before I give every single presentation. I say to myself, before I ever get behind a mic, Tracy, it's up to you to captivate this room or not. Go. And I literally make it my mission with every sound, with every word to captivate every single heart in that space. And it's all on me. You know, I remember when I was a college professor and and I used to teach group classes more. I'm going to start teaching group classes again. But I remember I had another piece to that where I would say, okay, Tracy, you have to captivate this room. And it is up to you to make sure that nobody picks up their cell phone. I took that on. That was my responsibility to be just that captivating. And that's what I did. All right. Well, I hope that was helpful. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to stop right there. I hope that process in delivery, process in writing, all of that process was helpful to you. I wanted to share it with you because I thought about you a lot when I was down there. I thought about you because I know you've been in the same spot where you've had to write things, where you've had to write eulogies, where you've had to give tough presentations. And I thought it was really I thought you might benefit from that. So I wanted to share it with you. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to check out the group program if you're interested in that. But that's it for today. Until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.